It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. For my crazy day, my packed commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Whew. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org getmore. You are Locked On Packers, your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. And today's Friday, and that means our weekly Behind Enemy Lines segment. It's, uh, we recorded this over two phases here, so I'm going to tell you how it works. First, it'll be myself asking questions about the Titans to Greg Arias of TitansInsider.com. Then the second part, which we actually recorded first, will be Terry McCormick of Titans Insider, Greg Arias of Titans Insider, and former All-Pro lineman Brad Hopkins. And those three are asking questions to me about the Packers. And those, those three guys from the three-headed monster known as Lockdown Titans, I highly encourage you to check that out, along with the rest of the Lockdown Network including Locked On NFL and Locked On Fantasy. But before we get rolling, an injury update from Thursday. You know, Mike McCarthy's going to have decisions to make with his inactives list for the first time in a long while because they're actually getting healthy. Only two guys missed practice on Thursday. That'd be center J.C. Treader and outside linebacker Clay Matthews. Matthews had a setback with his, ham- with his hamstring last Friday. So I'm assuming he's not going to play. But, I mean, otherwise, they all, they, they all practiced yesterday, including cornerback Demarius Randall missed the last three games following groin surgery. I don't think he'll play, but he's on the, on the comeback trail. And running back James Starks has missed the last four games. And tight end Jared Cook has missed the last five games. Those guys appear ready to go. Cook especially seemed very optimistic about his chances for playing on Sunday against his former team. So, you know what? What's been wrong with the Packers? Has it been scheme? Is it other things? Or have they just been too injured? Well, you know what? We're going to find out because the, the injury excuse is going to go away because these guys are going to be pretty darn healthy on Sunday at Tennessee. And one final thing, I wrote a piece um, yesterday over at PackerReport.com based on Aaron Rodgers' comments about the election. It's kind of a, I weaved his comments in with a, some, a, some personal stuff from my uh, <clears throat> football history, <clears throat> used loosely. But I thought it was a good piece. It's 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 a it's a free commentary on the state of the nation and and kind of using Rogers' comments as of how sports can hopefully play some sort of role in bringing us together. So that's a free story over at PackReport.com. It's been very well received. I hope you take a look at that. All right, on with the show and our behind landing me lines segment. And of course, we are going to lead that off with my interview with TitansInsider.com's Greg Arias. 
This is Bill Huber from Locked On Packers talking with Greg Arias from Titans Insider and Locked On Titans. How you doing, Greg? I'm great, Bill. How are you tonight? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for doing this. What, what, so I want to start with your offense. You guys, the first four games of the year, you guys are pretty awful. The last five, game, the last five games have been pretty great. What's, what's been the story there? Well, I think it starts with the improved play of Marcus Mariota overall. Now, certainly uh, he's got his struggles, and obviously if you watched last week's game in San Diego, the fumble that was returned by the Chargers for a touchdown, the interception that was returned for a touchdown, uh, those plays notwithstanding, and he's had seven of those this year actually that have uh, been turnovers that have turned into immediate points for the opponent. Other than that, though, during this stretch, he's played pretty well. He threw for 313 yards and three scores against San Diego, which are very good numbers. So his play has been the biggest difference with this team over that stretch. Well, since we're on the topic of Mariota, I'll skip ahead of my list of questions. I go back in that, that 2015 draft, and I'm thinking, if I'm the Buccaneers, am I taking Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota? And I'm thinking, hell, I'm taking Mariota. So I guess hindsight being 2020. Has this worked out about as well as possible, do you think, for Tennessee? Well, it has, obviously, with any young quarterback. And, you know, you know that, obviously, from the Packers and the history of quarterbacks they've had with Brett Favre and then Aaron Rodgers coming in. Young guys take some time uh, to learn and to develop. And we kind of saw that last year with Marcus struggling at times and even early on this season uh, struggling at times. But I think part of the reason that he struggled early in the season was because Kendall Wright was out with the hamstring injury. And he basically had a bunch of guys in Richard Matthews, Tajay Sharp, Andre Johnson, who were the preliminary pass catchers for this team, with the exception of Delaney Walker, that hadn't played with him last year. So he was still working on trying to build some type of chemistry with those guys. He's done a little bit of that now. He's uh, gotten Kendall Wright back, which I think has helped him. So I would say, yes, everything working out is scheduled with him to this point. He just has to cut down and cut out those silly turnovers, fumbling the football and throwing the bad interceptions that get returned for scores. What do you think has been the, the biggest jump year one to year two? Anything, anything you can put your finger on? Uh, the red zone. He is absolutely lights out. The Titans have scored uh, 23 out of 30 times they've been in the red zone this season. He has not thrown an interception. He is second only to Tom Brady in red zone efficiency. And when you say second only to Tom Brady, <laughs> pretty good company in the NFL, especially for a rookie quarter, or I should say second-year quarterback. But remember, he had the injuries last year, so he is just now completed. Uh, he's played in 19 NFL games, so a full season plus three, even though he's midway through his second year in the league. That's pretty amazing. I, you know, I look at Green Bay's offense where they are – yeah, I was, they're, they're they're around fifty percent red zone efficiency, which is eighteenth, you twentieth know, in the league. Not very good. What, what what has he done so well down there? He's just taking care of the football. He is not throwing uh, into bad uh, positions. He's reading coverage as well and finding open receivers. Now he did scare us to death last Sunday against San Diego on his third touchdown pass. It was a shot between uh, two defenders to Delaney Walker, but he put it in a window that uh, would remind you of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and the greats. And I'm not saying he's in that classification just yet, but that particular throw was a throw that those types of quarterbacks make, and he pulled it off. And he's been doing that in the red zone. He struggles 
uh, as I said, with the interceptions and things in the open field, for whatever reason, he gets down near the goal line and he is as good as anybody. I was talking to uh, Blake Martinez, the, the former Stanford linebacker in the locker room on Thursday, and I asked him about playing Mariota in college, and he said he remembered one play where he chased Mariota out of bounds, and then Mariota, while going out of bounds, jumped over a table that was about six feet in the air. And he, and he says, oh, and he thought to himself, oh, and he said a bad word about just what kind of athlete he is. I guess it's a long-winded setup to get to this one. When he's flush from the pocket, is he looking to run? Is he looking to pass? What, what, what is he doing? He's looking to do either. Uh, the Titans have implemented his ability, and obviously he is, uh, I would say, and I, I think the, the numbers back this up because he had the longest run from scrimmage in the NFL last year of 87 yards against Jacksonville. He is as dangerous as any quarterback in the league and maybe the most dangerous when he runs the football with his leg. But he's obviously looking to throw the football more this year when he scrambles out, but if it's not there... He's more than willing to take off as he did Sunday in San Diego. He had that 14-yard touchdown run on the first drive of the third quarter that actually gave the Titans a lead. Uh, it was short-lived, but he did give them a lead in that game uh, because of his ability to run the football. So he can do either, and I actually, as an opposing coach, think I would rather have him uh, throwing the football when he scrambles out of the pocket as opposed to running because if you break down defensively and you give him a lane or he gets the uh, angle to cut back across field, he can certainly do that and has the speed to, to score on long plays. Now, he's not done a lot of it in his career, but he has that ability. So I would want to make him throw the football and take my chances there because he makes more mistakes when he's throwing than he does when he's running. All right. Um, you kind of touched on the receivers a while ago, but I got to tell you, Going into this game, we were, I, was getting, I was getting ready for our, our conference call with uh, Coach uh, Mike Malarkey on Wednesday morning, and I was, I'm looking at the, the stats, and I'm, I don't know who these guys are. <laughs> so who in the hell are the Titans receivers? Well, that's a very good question. Richard Matthews is a guy that uh, signed as a free agent coming over from Miami. Kendall Wright's probably the only guy that you know even a little bit about sure. uh, from his time with the Titans, and he has been a guy that – has been up and down. He checked out on this Titans team under Ken Wisenhunt. There was a disconnect between he and Wisenhunt, and there was a disconnect between several other players in Wisenhunt during that uh, stretch of time when he was the head coach here. But uh, Kendall, as I said, probably the, the one that the Packers fans would know the most. Tajay Sharp, the rookie out of uh, UMass who led all college football last year in reception. He is a very gifted player, but he's a rookie. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He's a possession guy. He's not going to take the top off of things, but he can catch the football, and he's coming along. Uh, and then after that, it's pretty much, well, you know, Harry Douglas, I guess, would be next in line, and he is a veteran. But uh, Harry, to his credit, is, is hanging on, but he's more to the end of his career than he is the beginning. And then, of course, you throw Delaney Walker in there as being probably the big play option as a quote, receiving target, even though he's a tight end. It is a very nondescript group, and that's certainly one of the things that John Robinson has spoken about, the general manager, and knows that this team needs to address in the offseason, is finding that true number one guy, because they certainly do not have a number one guy on this roster. Now, they've got some good players, but nobody that's a star that puts fear into the opponents that they say, okay, we've got to stop X if we're going to beat the Titans today. Okay. Um, that, that offensive line of yours, I was, I was looking on, uh, at stats, and they, they've got uh, Taylor Lewin, the left tackle, zero sacks. Right tackle, Jack Conklin, zero sacks. 
That's a pretty good starting point, huh? Well, it is, and certainly tackle has been an area, especially uh, right tackle last year, that uh, have been trouble spots. And, in fact, turnstiles is probably a better way to describe it. They gave up stacks uh, to everybody but me and you, and I think <laughs> lined up against them, we could have probably gotten to the quarterback, too. It was that bad, literally. Uh, of course, Taylor Lewan missed some time with some injuries that took him out. That was part of it, and he was a guy that was developing. He's developed now. He's arrived as a guy that's playing very good football. He's playing at what I think and what most people around here, obviously we'll have to see what the NFL and, and the powers that be think when it comes time for the Pro Bowl. But so far, he's been playing at that kind of level, minus a few boneheaded mistakes and penalties that he's gotten at times. And, of course, Jack Conklin, the rookie, first-round draft pick has been far and away better than what anybody expected out of him to this point. As you mentioned, he's uh, got zero sacks. They've had some turnover in the middle of the offensive line. Quentin Spain started at left guard. He injured uh, a knee three weeks ago and has been out, though there is a chance, though it's slight, that uh, he could play this week. He is back in practicing. I don't know uh, if he's going to make it, but there's a chance. And then, of course, guard Chance Warmack had the uh, hand injury, had to have surgery. He was lost for the season. So Josh Klein has stepped in there. And surprisingly, with the substitutions that they've had, this uh, line has still continued on to be pretty doggone good, with the exception of last week when San Diego did a pretty good job of stuffing the run against them. Now, they were able to pass, protect, and throw for over 300 yards, but only 80 yards rushing. And that's kind of what I fear this week from Green Bay, that the Packers and their run defense will come out and take DeMarco Murray away. And, of course, Derrick Henry out with the calf injury is not going to play. So it's pretty much DeMarco Murray's show at running back, and I think the, the Packers certainly have an answer for him and will probably take something from the blueprint from San Diego of a week ago to look at when it comes to try to stop this Titans running game. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about the running game. I mean, that is the the matchup of this game, isn't it? You look at Green Bay's number – they're number one in run defense and number two in yards per carry – but they got demolished by the Cowboys a few weeks ago. So I think from from you know our perspective in the Green Bay media, we're like, which 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 run defense is going to show up? Is it going to be the one that's been great for seven games, or the one that got killed for one game? Um, what, what's what's been the strength of, and what's made Murray so productive after a hell of a year at the Cowboys in fourteen, but basically a lost cause of the Eagles last year. Well, I think it was the fit with Murray last year in Philadelphia. I said coming into this season before we ever saw the guy once the trade occurred that I didn't know if he was the same back that he was in Dallas, but I certainly thought he was probably better than he was at Philadelphia last year, and I stick by that. I think obviously uh, the numbers are bearing out that he's certainly better than what he was at Philadelphia. I don't know if he's the Dallas version, but he's still very good. He's going to be a 1,000-yard back for this team this season, and uh, a lot of it has to do with that offensive line that's surprised because, as I said, the offensive line has been a struggle around here for the last two years. So what they're doing is certainly uh, surprising to everybody here. They're obviously not as good as the Cowboys' offensive line. I think pretty much everybody believes and says Dallas the best offensive line collectively in the NFL. The Titans right now at least grading out, if you look at the numbers from Pro Football Focus and what they've done rushing the football, they're the second-best offensive line. But I'll have to wait and see and tell you after Sunday when we see <laughs> what they do against the Packers, who sport that very good run defense, and, and see literally 
if they are number two. And, and as you said, you know, you don't really know what's going to show up, which team for Green Bay. If it's the good Packers, they can do what San Diego did to the Titans last week. If it's the bad one, then obviously you could see another game potentially uh, like what you saw with the Cowboys because certainly DeMarco Murray, I think, is good enough to put up those kind of numbers uh, given the opportunity. You know, what, and what a battle of defensive coordinator you got. What, 79-year-old Dick LeBeau against, I believe, it's 66-year-old Dom Capers for, for Green Bay. I know a lot of the fans around here who are just clamoring for change in every way imaginable, but they're ready for Dom to go at age 66. How, how about the fans down there with 79-year-old living legend Dick LeBeau? Nobody wants anything to happen to Dick LeBeau. <laughs> they're very happy that he's here. And I'll say this, he has put up, some numbers playing with some deficiencies with this Titans team. Uh, it's amazing what they've been able to do uh, because their secondary, to be quite honest with you, is not very good. Uh, no disrespect intended to any of the guys back there. They're a great group of individual people. I, I have a great relationship with them as far as going into the locker room and talking with them. But they struggle in coverage. They've given up 300-plus yards passing to guys like Cody Kessler of Cleveland, and obviously no disrespect intended to him, but when Cleveland can come into Nissan Stadium and have a rookie quarterback to throw throw for over 300 yards, you know you've got an issue. Uh, you had the same thing with Derek Carr. You had the same thing with uh, Andrew Luck here. Uh, the only two teams that haven't done that, Matthew Stafford did it as well. The only two that haven't done it was Minnesota in the opening game of the season. Of course, we know uh, what their quarterback situation was in week one. And then uh, last week, Phillip Rivers didn't uh, go over 300 yards, but Melvin Gordon ran for 196, so Rivers didn't really need to throw the football that much. So the secondary is a struggle, but Dick LeBeau has done an excellent job. He just needs a few more pieces to work with, and I think a good free agency and a good draft this season could potentially give him uh, what he needs to make this Titans defense a a top uh, unit, legit unit in the NFL. Yeah, um, you know, Dom Capers has made his uh, living blitzing. Obviously, they, they served together with the Steelers back in the early 90s. But he's been handcuffed here because of the cornerback injuries. Is, is, is LeBeau been handcuffed at all by the, the state of the secondary there, or is, he, or is he just blitzing like crazy like he always has? No, he is uh, early on in the season, he didn't blitz as much. The corners were struggling and still struggle at times. Uh, he picked his spots early on. Now, he has gotten a little bit more uh, back to, uh, to form, if you will, of blitzing more over the last few weeks. So uh, he took uh, his spots and, and picked his times to do it last week against Phillip Rivers, and I think we'll see him do this, that this week. I don't think you're going to see him blitz like crazy against Aaron Rodgers because that's a guy that obviously has seen everything, and, and he's not going to see anything that's going to surprise him. So I think you'll see him take his pick his spots when he wants to blitz, but uh, he certainly got to do that at certain times because the cornerbacks just can't hold up if the pass rush doesn't get there and affect the quarterback, and I know that's part and parcel across the NFL, but even more particularly with this team because uh, when the uh, pass rush doesn't get there and doesn't affect the quarterback at all, teams are picking these guys apart in the secondary, and again, they're great guys, but Jason McCourty and Parrish Cox a little long in the tooth as is Denaris Searcy. Uh, you got a couple of young guys playing the other uh, safety spot in Damian Stafford and Kevin Byard, the rookie. But, uh, you know, it, it's just a collective thing. And certainly when you look at the 
fifth and sixth cornerbacks in uh, Valentino Blake, formerly the artist formerly known as Antoine Blake, <laughs> and Bryce McCain, a couple of guys that uh, are journeymen. Uh, you know, that doesn't exactly strike fear into defensive backs' hearts. It's not Deion Sanders, Sanders and Darrell Rivas back then. <laughs> Um, the one thing that uh, Packers coach Mike McCarthy made clear, and he used the word exceptional, and talking about the Titans' front seven, what is what? Uh, what's the straw that stirs that drink? Well, it's Jarrell Casey, and I could throw Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan in there as well as the uh, players that you have to deal with because those are the three guys that put up most of the pass rush and, and pressures and sack numbers, and certainly Jarrell Casey was a pro bowler, the only Titans Pro Bowler a year ago, and he looks to be headed uh, that direction again. He is a guy that uh, you're starting to see more and more teams dedicate a second player to either try to chip in, be it a, a running back or a tight end, or even double teaming him with a, a guard and a tackle because of what he's able to do. But what's making this Titans pass rush good is him in the middle and the fact that you've got Morgan and Arakpo and Brian Arakpo, I think, is having a Pro Bowl type of season, at least to this point, uh, with what he's been able to do. So having those three guys, one on each side on the outside and Casey in the middle, means that teams are having, and we saw Indianapolis do it, hold in, at times go with three tight ends and keep two of them in to try to help pass block for Andrew Luck, and it certainly was effective in keeping him upright in that game. But when teams haven't done that and you try to go one-on-one with these three guys, one of them is usually finding a way to at least pressure the quarterback if not get there and get the sack. Should be a great matchup right there. Green Bay's offensive tackles. Pro Football Focus had some numbers that uh, they put on Twitter the other day. Um, as far as offensive tackles go, Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari is the third best pass-protecting offensive tackle. Right tackle Brian Balaga is the fourth best. So, I mean, that is a great matchup between those tackles against your outside linebackers. Greg Arias from Titans Insider, who's going to win? Well, I, I did the prediction, and I know you, you were on our show as well, and you predicted for us. I took the Packers in this one. I took them 21-20. to 20. I think it's going to be a very close game. I think the Titans certainly can win this game, but the Titans struggle to beat elite quarterbacks. I mentioned uh, Derek Carr, uh, Andrew Luck, Phillip Rivers have all been elite quarterbacks this year that the Titans have faced, that they have found a way to get a win. And I think Aaron Rodgers, I know Aaron Rodgers certainly is in that elite category. And if this game is close, and I think it will be at the end, Rodgers gets the football in his hand. Until the Titans prove that they can beat an elite quarterback, i got to go with the Packers in this one, and mostly because of Aaron Rodgers. It's fascinating. I mean, I'm thinking the exact opposite when you're saying that because Green Bay's late game track record has been terrible, and, and you know, and so is, and so is Tennessee's. It, it, it's very interesting. It'll be, it should be a great game, Greg. I appreciate your time and uh, enjoy the game on Sunday. Absolutely, thanks, Bill. We appreciate you joining us as well. All right, take care. When you need a mortgage, you want someone who has your back. You want someone who knows the system and knows how to give you the loan the banks won't volunteer. And you want somebody no one trusts. After all, your home is your pride and joy, and you don't need anyone preying upon you or your home. That's where Packerland Mortgage Pros comes in. A local mom-pop operation since 1999, Joe and Deb Sewell specialize in gunning for you, the consumer. He figured out how to help me buy a brand new home in 2001 when things were tight. And since then, Joe and Packerland Mortgage have helped me buy two other homes 
and then lower those payments with either low or no cost refinances. All told, Packerland Mortgage Pros has had my back over a half dozen times. I'd recommend them to anyone and already have. So for all of your mortgage needs, purchase or refinance, call someone you can trust. Call someone who will look out for you. Call the pros at Packerland Mortgage Pros. You can, and you can reach them at 920-465-9000 or go to PackerlandMortgagePros.com. All right, that takes us to part two of our Behind Enemy Lines segment with Greg Arias and Terry McCormick from TitansInsider.com and former All-Pro lineman Brad Hopkins. Bill, let's just jump right into it. Uh, wanted to ask, you know, a lot of people are, you know, kind of calling the Packers a little bit of an underachieving team with the expectations and obviously having, you know, a premier quarterback in Aaron Rodgers at the controls. Is it as simple as injuries to guys like Eddie Lacy and Clay Matthews and Jared Cook and a bunch of other guys who missed time? Is it that simple or does the problems the Packers have had this year go deeper than that? Yeah, I think it's a little of both to, to give you the, the cop-out answer. Um, I, mean, look, I mean, look, these guys haven't had a put together a consistent stretch of a good offense since, you know, like, like the first quarter of last season. So they're on a stretch of, what, eight, you know, 20 games or 25 games of, of you know, they play some good ball where they're, they're good. Like, like I keep telling people here, they're good enough to make you think that they're pretty good, but they're bad enough that they don't win consistently. Um Certainly, the injuries don't help. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist where they, they have no running backs. I mean, Eddie Lacy's on injured reserve. James Starks might come back for this game, but he hasn't played in four games. They're, they're, they're running back as a wide receiver. So, I mean, you don't, it doesn't take brain surgery to figure it out. If you can't run the ball, then, you know, the defense doesn't care about play action fakes and all that stuff. So, injuries are a factor for sure. And they, they haven't had Jared Cook, who you guys obviously know down there. But it's. Uh, it's confounding, and it, it seems to me it, it runs beyond injuries. I think if people are using that as an excuse. I, th- I think they're probably wrong. Well, maybe they'll just touch on the relationship a little bit more with Aaron Rodgers and, of course, Mike. Um, people are saying maybe sometimes that discord could be the thing that, you know, lends to, the, I guess you could say, lack of confidence that this offense and, and pretty much the, the entire team usually carries. Um, I, I would say there's probably some, but... Um, yeah, I don't know if it's a big deal though. I mean, they've spent this is you know this is uh, Aaron Rod- Aaron Rodgers and McCarthy have been together since two thousand five, and with Rodgers as a start since two thousand eight. I you know they're, I mean you know how it is. I mean they're they're both leaders, they're both alpha dogs, and you you spend that many years in the same room with someone, you're probably are going to clash from time to time. Um, with that said, McCarthy trusts him implicitly. Rodgers runs tons of the offense at the line of scrimmage. McCarthy has his back at every turn. So I don't. Whatever problems there are, I, I, I just don't. They're probably not very unusual compared to other, other uh, you know, coach star player combinations who've been around to, who've spent so much time together. One of the things too about the Packers is they're ranked number one in the league against the run, so obviously they're pretty solid in that. And usually defensively, if you're ranked number one against the run, that's something you can really hang your hat on and build around as a team. How have they done in, re- in regards to building around that on the defensive side of the ball that carries the team? Well, now here's where I think injuries are, are, are a factor. Um, their top three corners are out. I mean, they, they got one back last week, but, you know, Sam Shields is their veteran guy. And entering this year, he, he and Richard Sherman were, were tied for the most interceptions in the NFL since 2010. So that's, that's Sam Shields' ball hawking skills. And 
So he's on injured reserve with a concussion. I, his career might be over as he's had probably too many. Um, last year's first-round pick, Demarius Randles, missed uh, three or four games with a groin injury. He returned to practice this week. I don't think he'll play. And last year's second-round pick is Quentin Rounds. He missed three or four games with a groin injury. He returned last week. But, my God, I mean, there, there aren't enough good corners in the league to begin with. To play defense without your top three is nearly impossible. So, you know, like like every corner, Green Bay's Dom Capers, you know, the game plan starts with stopping the run, and they've done that, which gets you to have the one-sided, you know, the other team's one-sided and predictable, and you can attack the pass and all that. But And their corners just haven't been good enough. And that's that's the bottom line. So they're, they're getting some of their guys back a bit here, but – their defense has been great, but it's not paid off like I think you would think it would have. Yeah, that sounds a lot like some of the problems the Titans have had because the secondary is really the Achilles heel of this team. If they don't generate enough of a pass rush from guys like Brian Arakpo, Derek Morgan, and Jarrell Casey, as they were not able to do against San Diego last week, that they get picked apart on the back end because those guys simply are not good enough or not, you know, don't have enough speed to stay with the receivers and compensate for when there's not a consistent rush. That's a great point. I mean, look at Dick LeBeau and Dom Capers. They're cut from the same bolt of cloth. and It's hard to run all those pressures you want to do when, you're, when your cornerbacks aren't good enough, isn't it? Oh, that's definitely the case. And, you know, and a lot of times when, the, you know, when LeBeau had his defenses in Pittsburgh that were so good, he had a, a superstar like Troy Palomalu playing safety and sort of, you know, leading the command back there. They could cover for some of those corners that have not been as good. They don't. Have, the Titans don't have that type of guy. No, Green Bay safeties are pretty good with Morgan Burnett and Ha Clinton Dix. I remember Julio Jones from the Falcons um, before that game. He said that he thought that Burnett and Clinton Dix might be the best combination of safeties that they, that he faced all year. They're, you know, it's a veteran group. Clinton Dix had a couple of picks last week. You know, Burnett's probably at his best at the line of scrimmage. But because the cornerback play is so suspected, he's had to go, you know, they've had to kind of change things up from what they would like to do to try to get by. But, you know, at least from Green Bay's perspective, that Clinton Dix kind of broke the ice on the interceptions, and he's he's at least feeling a little bit better about things. But you're right, if you, if you can't cover, you can't blitz, or you can't blitz as much as you want to. Bill, I want to bounce back over on the offensive side just a moment and uh, ask you about Aaron Rodgers because there's been some speculation from people on the national level that perhaps, uh, obviously with his age now, his skills have started to diminish a little bit. Is there anything to that, or is this just a fact that this is just the situation the Packers are in and it really has nothing to do with Aaron maybe losing a step or, or losing some of his ability? No, it's, it's nothing to do with his physical skill. I mean, the guy can... The guy can throw the ball. God, I mean, he he threw a pass to Jeff Janis, which was dropped last week, which had been an 85-yard touchdown, or a 75-yard touchdown against Vontae Davis, who's a damn good corner. He threw that ball 60 yards on her, on her and dropped it right into his lap and just dropped it. Um, so the guy can throw the ball like crazy. I mean, he's the second-leading rusher on the team. <laughs> so the, the guy can run. You know, defensive coordinators are constantly worried about his extending a play. So all that stuff is fine. I don't know if anybody knows what's wrong, though, um, because he's not the same guy. There's, I mean, and there's a million things. I know, I know Kurt Warner, the former Super Bowl quarterback with the Rams, I mean, he, he speculated that the receivers aren't good enough, so Rodgers isn't trusting that they'll get open. So when they do get open, he's just at half of a tick off. So that, I thought that was a pretty good bit of logic. But, but there are times where Rodgers will, will just miss a guy. I mean, as in there's a guy open, he doesn't see him. 
Um, there are times where, for no reason whatsoever, he'll throw the ball off his back foot, you know, a 15-yard out to the sideline, which he used to be able to throw in his sleep. Will short hop in the ground. It, it's in, in the fundamental things are, are the things that's hard to understand because he's had, you know, Coach Mike McCarthy is known as a quarterbacks guru. You know, the offensive coordinator, I remember the uh, associate head coach Tom Clements is a trusted guy for Rodgers and a former quarterback himself. So it's the why that's hard to understand because the physical skills are there, but that it's not working consistently is is the mystifying thing. Yeah, has he picked up with Jordy Nelson like they were like they were connected in 2014, or is, or is that relationship uh, sort of uh, been a little bit hard to uh, rekindle after Nelson missed last season? Yeah, I just don't think he's back yet. Um, you, you, I mean, everyone's heard if you have an ACL, you you come back within a year. But you're probably better the year after that. And, you know, I, I've told this, had to stay for my listeners and readers a thousand times. But in 2014, Jordy Nelson had more 59-yard touchdowns than 30 of the other 31 teams had 59-yard passing plays combined. I mean, he was a one-man big play. And defenses had no answer for it. And you know, he just doesn't have that explosiveness. I mean, he scored a bunch of touchdowns. So riders trust him in, in that light, but the, the big plays and, and, the, and the big plays that are is, is what's killing this offense because they, they can't they can't extend the field and, and make defenses pay. They're missing that. You know, maybe it comes back next year, but you know, chemistry wise, they're fine. He's just not the same Jordan Nelson at this point. If you were the type, go ahead, go ahead. Bill Huber from Packer Report joining us here, uh, Brad. Let's uh, get you back in real quick. If you got a, a question for us, I know you do probably for Bill. Of course I do. Um, yeah, the last time these two teams played each other, Bill, you know, it was back in 2012. 55-7 was the outcome. But on the road, this team hasn't beaten the Tennessee Titans since 1992. This year they're 1-2 on the road. Is this a team that, you know, it finds trouble focusing on the road? Or is this, you know, one of those situations of just being in a competitive situation, basically? Yeah, they've been a really good road team historically. I mean, gosh, even, even in dome games, they used to – Hell, hell, these guys used to be better in dome games than at home. So, you know, the road stuff doesn't bother them. You know, it's, it's a veteran group where, you know, they go silent count. You know, they can go no huddle and receivers just, they have all these secret hand signals and stuff. It's like, you know, the Illuminati's out there. Um, so, you know, the, the the noise isn't a factor. You know, that they're one and two, it, you know, maybe a small sample size. But, you know, historically, these guys have done pretty well on the road. And you know, they're, they're playing three in, a ro- three in a row on the road now. And, they seem to be relishing this challenge. You know, Jordy Nelson was talking this week that he, he loves to go on the road because he, you know, gets them some peace and quiet away from the kids. <laughs> I, 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 don't think they're, I don't think they're daunted by it. You know, the one bugaboo, if you want to talk about bugaboos here, is it's Green Bay in close games where in, <laughs> it's uh, Mike McCarthy and Mike, and, and Mike Malarkey are two of the three worst coaches, according to uh, pro, uh, football outsiders, as far as, if you're losing a game in the fourth quarter by a score, they are two of the three worst coaches in the NFL, which I which I, th- I find is very interesting because this game's probably going to be close, and one of these teams is probably going to have to have to find a way to win somehow. Well, that's one of the things that I was about to ask you. If you were the Titans, and they've had trouble against signature quarterbacks. They they lost to Derek Carr, they lost to Philip Rivers, they lost to Andrew Luck. Now they're facing Aaron Rodgers. If you were the Tennessee Titans. What would be your game plan for trying to defeat the Packers? I'm playing man-to-man and, and say, beat it, beat me. I don't care if you know what's coming, beat us. And, you know, Mike McCarthy knows what's coming. He told us that a couple of weeks ago that 
teams are playing man defense and they're going to have to find a way to beat it. And God, like last week against the Colts, everybody in the new world knew what was coming. And Indy's past defense, I think, was ranked 30th or 31st in the league. And for 50 minutes, the Colts beat the hell out of them. And, you know, Green Bay in the, in the final 10 minutes put up a whole bunch of yards and a bunch of points and they end up losing anyway. But at the end of the day, the final numbers look great. But for 50 minutes, they did nothing. Um, again, this this goes back to, you know, midseason or early, you know, like a third of the way through last season where defenses are playing man-to-man and they don't fear anybody. And, you know, again, Nelson knows the big play guy and he's no longer the big play guy. And, and they're just not an athletic bunch. Um, Devontae Adams has been super productive, but he's a mid-4-5s, 40 guy. Ty Montgomery at Stanford, he was a mid-4-5s guy. Um, their tight end is slow. I mean, maybe if Jared Cook comes back, he might be an X factor here. But they don't have a whole lot of dangerous big play weapons because they're, they're not super explosive. And so teams are playing man, and and Rodgers just isn't seeing the separation that he wants to see. And then the whole then the whole passing game just kind of falls apart. Okay, for me, Bill. Um, yeah, when you look at this team, I'm talking about Green Bay specifically. They don't really capitalize on other teams, you know, committing turnovers. And that's something that's played the Tennessee Titans is shooting themselves in the foot. Green Bay Packers this year are plus 11. You know, versus the Titans are minus 9. So, uh, obviously, let's talk about a little bit how the Green Bay Packers probably need to take advantage of the mistakes that Tennessee will make if, in fact, they do. Yeah, you know, that's that was mentioned to us this week, too. We didn't even ask about that. You know, Green Bay had two Clinton Dixon interceptions last week. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I, I know they... I think they got three points off of off of two interceptions, and both and those interceptions run were on the plus side of midfield too. So they had great field position, and they and they didn't do anything with them. And you're right for for a team that struggles to put together drives consistently, you can't screw up a forty yard when you get to take over take over at the forty. It, it's been a it's been a big problem. And Green Bay hasn't forced a lot of turnovers this year. They they have historically. I mean, these guys lead the league in interceptions by a mile since two thousand nine. And they haven't done that this year. You know, maybe maybe they broke the seal last week with, with a couple of picks of luck. But you're right. Um, considering the offensive inconsistency and the and the shoddy play of their own corners, you know, any opportunity you get to score cheap points, you got to take advantage of it. And, and they haven't. Which is the mystifying thing here is is they're up until last week they're they're number one, number one in the league in third down, so that they're moving the chains at times. But it's just, again, it's the inconsistency. Like, in everything that they do, it's just inconsistent. Where they, they look good at this for a while, but not good enough to win games. Okay, Bill, going to put you on the spot here just a little bit. On Friday, we always make our prediction on the game, who's going to win and the score. Uh, I, I know you might not have had a lot of advanced time to think about this, but give us your prediction on who you think will win this game, and if you can, a score as well. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to pick Green Bay, but I don't, I don't feel real good about it. I mean, I just I just look at the the Titans giving up a million points this year, and I, and I don't I, and where Green Bay's defensive weaknesses, their corners, I don't see a whole lot in the in the Titans receiver core. So I'll, you know, I'll go Green Bay, thirty to twenty. I mean, it's supposed to be like a home game for the Packers, according to Malarkey. So I think that's probably an advantage for them too. So I'll go Green Bay thirty to twenty. But the way these guys are playing, nothing surprises me. Bill, thanks so much for the time and joining us, taking time out of your schedule to do this. We certainly appreciate it, and uh, we'll do it again in the future. Sounds good. Enjoy the game, guys. Thanks a lot, Bill. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. 
I pronounce you Bye, a wedding ceremony. Stop. At MetroPCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to MetroPCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.